Welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 66. This week I want to give an update on the cat that I spoke about last week. Uh, I called him Duffy. And um, I just want to let everybody know that um, even though I thought he had gone, he actually came back. And I think it's pretty obvious that he didn't have a home. But, you know, we still really don't know his actual situation. Um, It's really impossible to tell because there are people who have cats, especially in places like New Zealand, where they just kind of, they almost like, they call them outdoor cats. Um, And they just don't let them inside and they don't ever sort of take them to the vet or give them any medical attention, but they just put food out for them. Um... I don't know, it's really hard to tell because he was so incredibly loving and tame and friendly and so used to being touched, he was not scared of human touch, he didn't shy away, so we'll never know his his past, only he knows, really. And, but anyway, so he came back and I um, just thought, okay, great, well, at least he'll he'll stick around here and he's always got a, a place with me while I find him a new home. And so I let I, I locked him back in. <laughs> I just locked him in. Um, he really shouldn't be running around because uh, he's got FIV. But then I got a text from somebody who was interested, and she had um, had a cat previously, and a family member had looked after the cat, and then the family member's dog had attacked the cat and hurt the cat, and so she paid the vet bills and decided to keep her, and apparently the cat was like a super cool personality, and she fell in love with the cat as well, and even though they said, we want her back and we'll pay for the vet treatment, it was kind of a contention, and in the end they just let it go, but this woman stayed with the cat. So they obviously wanted, they obviously love having a cat at home, and I told her she had FIV, that he had FIV, that he's not allowed outside, she has a really big house, two stories, um, there's a nice big windowsill, and there are three little girls in the house, um, which I don't think Duffy's used to. But anyway, so I said, look, you know, I'm really grateful. Can I take him over there, and I'll meet them? And so I took him over, and I saw the house, and it was really big in a quiet neighborhood. And there's security locks on the doors because the littlest girl is a toddler, and it's a two-story house, and so there's locks to prevent the little girl from going out the stairs. And... Um, the lady obviously really was gentle around cats. Like she, she, she knew what was going on. She'd had cats before, and she said, "I oh, will give him a chance to look around." And she sort of wasn't shocked at his behaviour because, of course, as soon as he got there, his tail was low and he's running around. You know, he's, you know, they they really know they have no control over what's happening to them. And he was racing all around, just like, "Okay, what's going on?" And it was really hard to leave him. It was really hard to leave him. It's the hardest thing. Um, I I feel really good about where I left him, and I've been keeping in touch with the people, the people with text, and they've been giving me updates. And at the beginning, he's just been hiding around the place. Um, like I said, it's a big house, lots of places to hide. And then he's just been coming out. He's been giving brief cuddles, eating, and then going back to hide. He's not used to little kids, and I think the noise of the little kids is. Um, scares him but he will adjust to that they've had cats before and she was really um protective of him around the girls or she would say you know you know let leave him to to sniff around he's new and stuff like that I just I had a really good vibe about the place but it's still really really hard to let him go because I fell in love with him and um but I have to do what's right um he's not supposed to be outside because he can infect other cats with FIV it's also bad for his health he needs to be kept reasonably you know germ you know with regard to cats and and stuff free environment i mean you know i don't know a lot about FIV but it wouldn't be good for him to get bitten or to get fleas or to get all these other things that outdoor cats get and buddha was really really in bad shape and I swear, the second I got home, the second I got home from taking Duffy to his new home, she instantly knew. And after days, it was almost two weeks that I sort of, from the time that I found him, or the time that he found me, I should say, and the time that I adopted him out, uh, she just refused to come in or stay in. She would come in, but she wouldn't stay in. She was refusing to eat. 
um, properly. Of course, I was getting food into her. I'm not saying that she didn't eat for two solid weeks, but it was a battle, and I, I had to take food down under the house, and I had to sit with her, and I kind of had to be really strict, and I had, I had to give her crunchies, um, which is kind of like her junk food, um, just so that she would eat something, and oh, she was just miserable. And as soon as I came home without Duffy, she knew he was gone, and she came in, and now she's completely back to normal, completely back to normal. She's eating, she's staying inside, she's right next to me now. So there you go. I've been told by Buddha, no more cats. That's it. She won't tolerate it. And I don't know, It's if I had a nice big house, it would be different. But I just have one room, and it's just not enough. So I have to do what's right for Buddha. But it would be nice to be able to adopt more. But also, I don't have a huge amount of money. You need to be able to pay for vet bills. You need to be able to take care of them properly. You need to be able to look after them and do the things you need for them. And and so anyway, I think Duffy's going to be all right in his new home. I don't know what his name is going to be. I don't think they like the name Duffy. I think they're going to rename him. But so far, so good. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, if it didn't work out, I would bring him back because I know Buddha's not going to, you know, it's not going to be lasting. It's 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 not good for her, but it will be temporary until I found him another home. So I would be sort of having to compromise her welfare a little bit um, in order to save Duffy's life. But, you know, I don't think it'll come to that. I think that he's going to be okay. The last I heard, um, he had a quiet night. He slept all night and... Um, he did give some cuddles, and then um, the adopted mother put him in her bedroom because that's where she kind of wants him to hang out. She really enjoys um, being around cats, as a lot of people do. And his there's a bathroom there with his kitty litter, and um, and, um, and that's his bed. I'm sure that he would sleep on with her because he just wouldn't get. I mean, he was so cuddly with me. So anyway, good news about Duffy. I hope that that's all really good news. This week I just wanted to discuss something that happened because it really, really bothered me. And, um, you know, again, oh, two things happened. And i got to say, I have been a little bit down lately. Probably because I felt so sort of helpless in a way when it came to Duffy and then it got me to thinking of all the other cats and dogs and all the other animals, so many other animals, not even animals that are being literally farmed and exploited, but just just abandoned animals. And I can't help them all. I can't help really hardly any of them. And I was even having a hard time doing the right thing for Duffy. And I, I got kind of down about it. And I have to, again, give a huge love and respect for people who really dedicate their lives to saving, rescuing, rehoming, fostering all kinds of animals, all different species from all different circumstances, because it is so beautiful and so lovely, but it's also heartbreaking. And I kind of, um, everything else kind of took a back burner to this this one little refugee and how I was going to help him and I didn't really um, I guess I was a little bit upset with the world <laughs> to put it mildly but a couple of things happened that I want to talk about because like I say I'm very honest and I admit when I've maybe let the side down or when I've done something negative and I always try to learn from it and what happened is I was um, I was in the elevator, um, wearing I was I, I was actually in a discussion recently with an advocate called um, Chris and I can't pronounce his last name. I probably can't pronounce his last name properly, Popar maybe P O U P A R T, and he's designing some great shirts and I've put a link to one of them. It's it says it's a V on the front and then on the back it says vegan. And he has a bunch of different designs, and I think they're really cool. And you can buy them in organic cotton, which is really awesome. And um, so I'll put a link to those shirts. And you can just they just pay you just pay the cost of the shirts. It's not a, a profit making business. It's just to get the message out. But anyway, um, so speaking of that, uh, coincidentally, I have my jacket that says vegan on the back, and I wear it as much as I possibly can. And it's getting a little warmer now, finally. 
Uh, thank goodness. And uh, so the jacket is very light, and so I just have been been able to wear it rather than my heavier um, coat or whatever. And I was on the elevator coming down, and I had my back to everybody, and this there was a professor in the elevator, and I think I've met her before because I'm actually doing some like training at my school. I'm doing like another a little bit of extra work at the school, and I'm sort of helping out with the new um, digital technology, digital audio technology because it's all new to them, and I know a little bit about it. So I've been giving some like you know doing some work there actually and I believe that she attended the class and I've met her before and we were friendly and everything but I was still really depressed this was this was before I found a home for Duffy this is when I knew I was going to come home and Duffy was locked in and Jebby was you know a little unsure Buddha refused to come in and I was coming home to this sort of really stressful environment not necessarily for me but for the cats and I was kind of down and I was kind of angry at the whole world you know uh, maybe in a negative space, and the woman said, are you vegan? And I did not, and I said, and I turned around and I said, yeah, yeah, yes, I am. And she said, um, and, but she had this look on her face. Anybody who's done, um, anybody who does uh, street activism, and who actually has done activism, or even just had conversations with people who've approached you? I swear, the be- one of the best things to do is wear the word vegan on your person. Oh, and that's another thing I want to talk about. There's somebody who emailed me through Facebook, Amy, and I want to also respond to Amy. So um, I said yes, yes, I am, and she had this kind of look like, <laughs> what, what you're kind of a freak kind of thing. I'm not kidding because. She was like smirking at me. Okay, I need to take that back. I took it wrongly. I could have handled it totally differently. I'm going to tell you how I handled it, and I'm going to tell you how I wish I had handled it, so that if ever anybody is in this position, they can maybe learn from my mistake, and also I hope I learn from my mistake. So I just turned around to her, and it was like I said, a really cramped elevator, and there was like three or four other young people in the elevator, and I said, yeah, I am. And she goes, oh, so why do you have it on your jacket? Why did you put it on your jacket? And I said, it's a political statement. I said, it's a political statement. And she goes, so that means, and I said, (laughs) and like I said, it was really cramped. So I had to keep turning around to talk to her, but I didn't actually turn around completely and actually talk to her. I just kept sort of turning my head to respond to her and then turning back because we're in this tiny elevator and there was all these other people in there. And I said, it's a political statement. And then um, she goes, and that means, and I said, and I just turned around and we were almost at the bottom now because it was only nine floors. And I said, it means that I'm opposed to um, violence, uh, exploitation, violence, and slavery. And then I did something. <laughs> I went at her. You know when you like, have you ever seen in America where on the movies where like you wink one eye and you go like like a cowboy kind of does like and everybody else, you can feel when people are listening and paying attention. I mean, it's a tiny elevator no matter what. And so everybody was kind of like, uh, and then I just got out of the elevator. I was angry at this woman for smiling about it. And I wanted, you know, I mean, I'm lucky that I don't give in to my emotions as much as some people do. Because I could have turned around and said, do you have any idea what's going on right now? You know, and all this stuff. And I didn't. And then I kind of walked away. And like I said, I think I know this woman. And I mean, I kind of recognized her. I think she was one of my classes, quote unquote classes, where I was giving these like <laughs> lectures to these, you know, people, these professors, right? So we kind of get the same bus, <laughs> or we get on the same bus route. So anyway, I walk away, and then as soon as it's all over, I'm I'm admonishing myself like Elizabeth. What the hell is wrong with you? You handled that so badly. That was an incredible opportunity, and you just messed it up. You're tired, and I was just coming down on myself hugely, and I was like going over and over it in my head because I take this very, very, very seriously. And when I mess up, or when I do something that's detrimental, I feel like I've let down the animals. Because I did. So for all I know, I did do something that made us, you know, put some thought processes in place. But I really think that I could have handled it better. So here we go, everybody. This is my version of, 
you know, recreating history. So this is what I wish I had done. This is what I would keep going over and over in my head um, as I was on my way home, feeling really down about what I had done. And I mean, don't, you know, don't listen and think that I'm like some kind of freak. I am very hard on myself and I do tend to torment myself with all kinds of like, you know, what if, what if, what if. But in reality, I didn't handle it very well. I had an attitude with her and I'm not going to lie. And that's just wrong, man. It's just wrong. It's not good for animals. It's just not. Um, Even though it's righteous indignation and I'm very justified in being angry, it doesn't help. So what I wish I had done is when she had said, are you vegan? Even though she was kind of mocking, I wish I turned around and said, yes, I am. Are you? That's, you know, like, oh, cool. You must be asking me because you are. And if she would have said no, I would have said, oh, that's, that's a shame. Why not? (laughs) Um, if the conversation didn't go as planned because you never can actually plan conversations but if if it went the same way where she said why have you got it on your jacket rather than turning around and saying just simply and sort of very cryptically to these people it would be cryptic it's a political statement because a lot of people don't I think a lot of people don't actually um, relate veganism to politics but to me it is very political you know socially whatever. I wish I had said, I'm actually an advocate for veganism. In fact, I have a stall on Crean Street that I run on Saturdays. Although, of course, I haven't been doing it lately because of the rain and because of all the cat situations, but it will, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to keep doing it. Just like if my podcast doesn't get done for a while, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop forever. So I wish I had said that to her. I said, you know, I'm actually an advocate for veganism. You know, I actually conduct a stall and I give out information. You know, it's, it's something that's very, very important to me. And that would have been way more positive and opening to her to sort of take me a little more seriously. And I think that it would have maybe led to some more discussion. We could have walked together and talked a bit more, but I just turned around and gave her this attitude and she just was like, whatever. And that was the end of it. So, you know, it's hard, you know, sometimes you're tired and sometimes you're down or maybe you've just seen a um, something negative or maybe something bad's happened. So, there you go. But I, you know, I have a hard time fighting with my own, um, I have a fiery temper. And um, just ask any of my ex-boyfriends, you know. And so I I can be a little bit hot-headed. It's a fact. Okay, so then a few days later, and I have to sort of really take a deep breath because this almost made me cry. I was in class and one of the, my classmates, okay, the one of the people in the class, I don't, it doesn't matter who, or whether it was a professor or a student, just somebody at the end of the day said, well, I'm going away and I have two hens, would anybody like to help me look after my hens um, while I'm away? I need somebody to look after them, hens, you know, chickens, right? And I kept quiet um, because I can't do that Uh, but I would love to and somebody else was like well if they're for dinner then yes and I thought oh here we go and I just was feeling really angry still (laughs) because I still hadn't been home for Duffy and I was just what's the word projecting I was projecting my anger so and you know this is not long I think this is literally three days after the other incident and I might you know I go through bad weeks and I go through good weeks and I go through bad days and I go through good days and you just got to pick yourself and move on and you got to forgive yourself and just move on. But hey, this is what happens. So then I, um, I can't, my must have, something must have come on my face. Oh, and then, and then the person said, oh no, I'm vegetarian. I would never do that. I don't eat. I'm a vegetarian. I could never do that or something. She, does, she doesn't eat chicken flesh, obviously. That's one of the parts of her vegetarianism don't know what the other details of her vegetarian diet are. I'm assuming she eats eggs and that's why she has the chickens. So, and then somebody else contacted me because everybody in the class knows that I'm vegan and that I'm very passionate about it. It just somehow comes out. I don't know. So she looked at me and she spoke quietly and she said, oh, um, so... If uh, you raise two chickens and then when they're grown up, you kill them and eat them, is that all right? And 
I I looked at her and um, a lot was happening. We were finishing the class and going up to the other lab. So um, it was a it was a transient moment, and I said, um, I, I think I just simply said, no, you know, it's not all right. And then she said, well, is it legal? It's legal, right? And I said, well, animals are a property, so it's legal to to do whatever. And then you know what I said to her? And this is the worst. I just said, you know what? Just forget it. I did. I literally said that. I just was like, just forget it. And I almost wanted to like cry. I was so upset. And I just wanted to cry. And I was being so, I was just so unable to cope with it at that moment. I just couldn't. And even just thinking about it now, it just makes me so sad. It really, really does, you know. So anyway, so I just sort of blew that opportunity. And then, of course, I was actually so upset that people were asking me, like, are you okay? And nobody, none of them would have related that little silly, nonsensical conversation with me being really upset because they're speciesist and because they're, you know, they're still so socially conditioned to make jokes. Oh, and another thing was said was, like, in my country, we eat horse meat. That was what happened. I got interrupted because... That's what happened because she said to me, so if you have two chickens and then you raise the chickens until they're adults and then you kill them and eat them, is that all right? And she was asking me. She directly asked me. She actually said my name. And she knows I'm vegan. And she knows I don't eat any animal products at all. And that I'm actually uh, morally opposed to it. She knows this. And then the other girl was like, well, in my country, we eat horse burgers, so whatever. And then that kind of threw me. And then the girl was like, to me, sort of ignoring what the other girls said. And this is all in a very low voice to me across the room. But is it legal? It's legal. And, I, and that was when I was like, animals are property. And I just kind of just was like, I can't deal with this right now. And so I just didn't deal very well. Okay, so once again, going back into the past, I want to learn something else that I learned. I want to share something else that I learned from Randy Sandberg which I'm going to try to use. I'm going to try to use it if I ever get this opportunity again. And I'm pretty sure I will. I'm going to say to the person, first of all, which I keep forgetting to do, I'm going to say, okay, everybody, this this is my dream world now. This is my therapy. Right now is my therapy moment to help me deal with that moment because I'm still upset about that. Like Anybody who is vegan and who's an advocate and who cares about animals the way we do and who knows what really goes on and who just can't deal with the flippancy and just the flippancy about this horrific torture and this horrific suffering and this horrific, you know, just holocaust is just, we just have to really, we really need to like be strong. We need to be really strong, man, because animals depend on it. So here is the scene as it played over and over in my head where I was like a true hero and I did all these right things. Like I say, this is all conjecture because you can't predict how the conversation is going to go because the person could say differently than what my head is saying they're going to say. But I just want to make myself feel better and I hope that if anybody's listening, they can maybe learn something from my experience and maybe even use this because I think it's really useful. Randy Sandberg told me about something similar. He'll know what I'm talking about when he hears it. So I'm going to say to her, first of all, I'm going to say, could you repeat that a little bit louder? I didn't hear you. Because I want her to repeat loudly so everybody can hear this ludicrous question. That if you raise two chickens until they're adults and then slaughter them and eat them, is that all right? I want her to hear herself. I want to hear those words echoing in the room, first of all. Just to get a little more sort of insight. Just so she can really hear what she just actually asked me. And I say, like, this is somebody who never thinks twice about it. I'm saying it's a bad person. This is, in fact, a person who told me I'm vegetarian, but I eat beef and a little bit chicken. So, you know, the whole world is very confused. It's our job to unconfuse them. And having attitudes and emotional breakdowns doesn't help. But, hey, we're only human. (laughs) And I'm going to try not to sound so angry while I'm doing it. I'm going to try to sound musing. Like, hmm, let me think. What did you... Let me just make sure I heard you correctly, honey, before I address this question. And then I'm going to say, well... First of all, before I answer that question, let me ask you a question. And Randy will know where I got this from. I got this from Randy. 
in a way. He said, he told me something. I'm going to say, first of all, let me ask you a question before I answer that question. Would it be all right if I were to slaughter and eat you? And there would be a variety of answers. And I'm sure generally the answer would be no. It wouldn't be all right. And I would say, well, why not? You're made of meat, aren't you? What if I like the taste of your flesh? And then there's all kinds of different answers that people will come up with. They'll say, well, it's illegal. Or it's, because um, she did ask me if it's legal, and I'll get to that, because at some point maybe that would come up in my imaginary conversation that never happened with her and never will happen because I totally blew the opportunity, but whatever. And she would say, oh my gosh, you know, how can that be? Or that what does that have to do with chickens? Or what are you crazy? Or whatever. And I'll say, well, look, you know, hypothetically speaking, you're asking me if it's okay to consume chicken flesh after you've raised them. I'm asking you a question in return. I just want to know what would be your opinion on whether or not it's right to consume your flesh if I enjoyed the taste. And if the answer was no, I would say, why? Why not? And there would be a variety of answers. I'm human. And I would say, well, what's the difference? Well, chickens are a different species. Now, this person was from a different, um, you know, she spoke a different language than me or whatever like that. So I could use that as an arbitrary, let's pretend I'm going to make up that this person was a green-skinned person because I'm just going to make up like the usual kind of nonsense that we used to justify. I'm going to say, well, look, you know, I'm a non-green-skinned person. What if I decided that all green-skinned people were inferior to me and I had a right to use them and eat their flesh because it was delicious and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the conversation would go all sorts of ways, but I really want to get them thinking about um, their arbitrariness and their speciesism. So I had this conversation in my head over and over and she gave me a variety of answers in my imaginary head and I gave her a variety of incredibly awesome responses like, well, what if there was a law passed? She said, is it legal? She asked me second. And I would say to her, well, wait, 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 wait. You asked me if it was right. You didn't ask me if it was legal. So what are you asking me? Which is it? Are you asking me if it's legal? Or are you asking me if it's right? Because those are two different things. And if she says, well, no, no, if it's, if it's legal, it must be right. I will quote her Martin Luther King. And I will say, and I don't know if this is an exact correct quote, but it's to the words to that effect. He said, never forget, everything that Hitler did was legal. And I would say that to her. And then I would say, do you know who said that? Martin Luther King said that. And I would say, you know what else was legal? It used to be legal to enslave African people and use them as your slaves. But that didn't make it right, did it? And in fact, that was only like 200 years ago that it was legal. And in fact, the whole entire world um, thought it was completely legal or it was completely legal to have slaves, you know, human slaves for thousands of years. But that didn't make it right, did it? So legality and right don't go together. So which are you asking me? I thought you asked me if it was right. And then if she says, well, no, I want to know about legal, I could say, well, let's say we passed our law, hypothetically speaking, that all green-skinned New Zealand immigrants were fair game when it came to flesh eating because all New Zealand non-green-skinned people passed a law, because we were the majority, that we were allowed to consume the flesh of green-skinned people because we enjoyed their flesh. Would you say that that would be right? And, you know, maybe people will think I'm crazy, but the logic stands. The logic is there. It's logical, isn't it? I mean, it's the same argument that these people are using. Because I'm sure she would say things like, well, they're just chickens. They're not smart. They don't care. And then I would use all the wonderful things I've learned from Gary Francione to deal with these very common sort of really indoctrinated questions. The kind of things I used to think about animals. I used to think this way. They don't, they don't really, they don't, you know, they're, they're not intelligent as us and they, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I would just get onto that whole thing. And then she would say things like, in my imaginary conversation, she would say things, well, chickens aren't intelligent and, you know, they don't contribute anything. And I'd say, well, there's plenty of human beings that are less intelligent than you. In fact, I know many people who are way more intelligent than you, even though you're a very intelligent person. I know people who are way more intelligent than you. So I'm deciding that your lack of intelligence compared to their lack of intelligence makes you fair game for exploitation and I'm going to eat you. Would that be okay? Oh, no, 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 but chickens are a different species. They're not human. And I would say, well, you're a green-skinned human and I'm a non-green-skinned human and that for me is a big enough difference that I decide that you are an exploitable, renewable resource. Would that be okay? And, you know, you can sort of take these things. Now, don't do it angrily the way I sound now 
but I'm in my therapy mode here. Try to do it jokingly. But these are actually really valid points. They're really valid points. I mean, the, the excuses that people use to, to joke and to discuss the very real torture and slaughter of animals, such as chickens, are those very arbitrary non-justifications that they consider our justifications. They're not the same species as us. They're not as quote-unquote what we consider intelligent as us. They can't do, they don't have the same kind of, you know, minds as us and blah, 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 blah. I suggest very strongly that people really listen to Gary Francione's work because he deals with intellectuals who are arguing about animal use and they will go to extreme measures to justify animal use more than the average person because the average person is like what are you talking about you're going to eat me I'm not a chicken chickens are born to be eaten and then you can kind of try to get them thinking about it like really you say that but remember they used to say that black people were born to be slaves because that's what the white people decided right and they had that distinction. Hell, they, they, they used it as a valid reason. Is it really a valid reason? So I, I wish that I'd had this conversation with her, but I didn't. And I was really upset. Like I said, I've been really sort of sad, I guess. And um, I haven't been the most useful. I haven't done a lot of advocacy and I have not been doing a lot of active stuff. But I have been trying to concentrate on the individual's that I have directly sort of had to help and it's not easy you know um but with the, the individuals that I'm sort of like Buddha and Jebi Jebi um had uh, stitches in her belly and she had a cone on her head and she was going nuts and because she was pulling at the stitches and so we put this awful thing anyway I took it off and I'm keeping an eye on her and I reckon she's going to be okay she gets the stitches out on Wednesday and then that'll be all over I'm keeping in touch with I think everything's going to work out with Duffy and I learned from these two experiences that I had last week always we got to use the human context we have to we must because we can't be speciesist and you know I'm not going to kowtow to speciesism I refuse to do it people may think I'm crazy but I'm I'm not the only one out there doing it. That's why I need more people. We need more people doing it, please. You know, you all know I'm right. So please don't leave me out there all alone. Let's all do it. And then I won't be the only one in my community doing it. And I'm not, anyway. I have William with me at the stall, and he understands the issues better than me. And, um, you know, we have Sam and Emmy in Hamilton, and we have um, Jordan in Invercargill, and we have Vish in Wellington. And for all I know, there are other New Zealand abolitionists out there that just aren't as vocal sort of on the internet as I am, but they're still out there doing it. Maybe they don't get in touch with me because they're just too busy doing it. So I'm not saying it's limited to us saying these things. And of course, even you know people who promote welfare, every now and then they do say, you know, I mean, look at Peter's slogan. I mean, it's a joke when you look at their organization, but their slogan is animals are not ours to use where blah, 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 blah. Our animals are not ours to eat where whatever. I mean, their slogan itself or their little saying is like, you know, it's it's spot on. Animals are not ours to use, blah, 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 blah. But they don't live by it. So, you know, words are empty without the without being consistent. So, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep being consistent. Um... And I just had to get all that off my chest. And I feel so much better because, you know, I don't have a lot of people to talk to this about. And when we went up to when we went up to the later class, I was so, like, down and so angry. And I was angry at this person as well. I was, I was like, I hate you, you know. You're a monster, you know, which is really the bad, the bad thing to think. I'm sorry. And, and then somebody was like, are you okay? You know, I really had – I wear my heart on my sleeve. I am not able to hide my emotions. And I was very depressed and upset by it. I really, really was that day. And I actually just wanted to leave. I just wanted to leave and just go away from these people and just go back to my house where Duffy was waiting and Buddha was, you know, letting me know that she was unhappy. I just wanted to take care of these refugees and I just wanted to get away from them. But I'm not always like that. Um, 
I'm not I'm not um always um I'm not always like that. I just uh, it was a bad uh, moments and I couldn't handle it at that time. I just it was too much. It really was. I mean it would be like I don't know, man. There's so many analogies I could use that everybody listening would understand, but I'm not going to go there. Y'all know what it's like, and y'all have dealt with it thousands of times. And um, sometimes we handle it, sometimes we don't. We just got to move on. Always admit, though, that you did, if you didn't handle it right, remember that was a lost opportunity, and it's your responsibility. Can't beat yourself up. Don't be like me. You can't go back in time, but try to learn. Try to try to stop stop reacting that way, no matter how hard it is. Just always try to smile. Have rational conversations with people. Don't sound angry. Um, you can be righteous. Don't back down from the from the truth. But you don't have to do it in an angry way. You don't have to do it in a mocking way. Remember when I had an interview with Gary recently and he told me about that. It's very important, you know, that we recognize that. And we didn't realize, but before we went vegan, we asked these same questions too, probably. But definitely there's a lot of people out there with the same questions. And you don't learn it until you do a vegan advocacy because there are literally so many people who ask the question about what about plants. There are so many people who really do believe that you need animal protein in order to be healthy so you have to eat animals there are so many people who really do say what's going to happen to all the domestic animals they're just going to multiply by the billion and then they'll be out of control we have to you know kill them there the same questions come over and over and there's nothing to mock about it just shows you the sort of general stuff i mean in fact it's easy you know what you get the same questions over and over you can get your answers down pat you can you can practice different answers you can practice on different people you can learn what works and like what works with some people doesn't always work with others so if you've had three or four different times dealing with the same question and you've tried this one answer and it was bad say it was good with somebody else but it was bad with that person you have four or five other responses that you can give you can give all different ways of types of responses but the only way to do it is to practice 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 and you got to take the bad with the good and at the very least at the very least i didn't sit there and say it was okay at the very least, I didn't tell these people, oh, chickens really don't matter. Or to the woman, oh, I just feel like it because it's a personal choice or something like that. I did stand by my ground. I just, I was just kind of not very positive, you know, not very, po- not very, you know, positive um, about it. And um, I had, there's this really awesome um, person, Amy, and her name is Dumbledore's Amy. And she's on Facebook and Twitter, and she had written to me and said, you know, look, I'm at parties and stuff, and, you know, I really want to talk to people about veganism, and I don't know how to bring up the conversation, and sometimes it just, the subject just doesn't come up, and I would suggest, and I said this to her, and I don't know if she thought that this was a really decent response, but I really can't say enough, it's so useful wearing vegan, wearing t-shirts and wearing the, the word on your body. Um, it is a political statement. Our words are our, you know, our um, force. You know, the pen is mightier than the sword. You know, we are a species of of language. You know, so wear it on you. So the second you walk into the party, most people have a general idea of diet, and they'll think, you know, they'll definitely know you won't want any meat. They'll definitely know that at the very bare minimum. So when you walk into the party, and you're wearing the word vegan. Even like on a shirt or something, they'll already know that there's something to do with diet. It's the bare minimum that they realize. And you can take it from there. But, you know, Amy, if you're if nobody talks about it with you, and these are people that you want to keep ongoing relationships with, um, you, it's, it's, it, and if it really doesn't come up in any way at all, um, you can try to somehow start it. Um, a conversation, but, you know, um, there's so many opportunities for it, and, you know, if it really, really doesn't happen that day, and you guys end up talking about art or something, go hard, girl, enjoy yourself, talk about art, you know, but um, you're going to have so many opportunities to talk about veganism. I wouldn't go in there, and if everybody's like, oh, um, 
did you see that awesome art exhibition by such and such? And then, then you sort of say, well, I'm opposed to animal use, so I only go to vegan art exhibitions or something. I don't really know if that would be a positive, useful way to get the conversation going. It might actually make these people stop talking to you. I mean, it's hard to predict. So unfortunately, we are in the position where we, you know, it's such an uncomfortable thing what we're talking about that you don't want to never be invited to the party again. Like, I, I don't socialize very much. Uh, but the last party I went to, well, I can't even remember, it was a long time ago. Um, I actually did have a conversation with a woman, and she got very upset with me, extremely upset with me. I think I talked about it on a podcast ages ago. And um, she actually was like, walked away from me like, we're going to end this conversation now because she had said, oh, I love animals, and I said, well, and we started talking about veganism, and then she was like, well, I can't control what I eat because I live with my brother, and he pays the bills, and I'm like, he forces you to consume the animal products? I mean, this is like a 45-year-old woman. I'm, I'm just sort of looking at her like, let's really consider what you're trying to justify here, and she just got incredibly immediately defensive and upset and left, and, and then I had another conversation when I spent the whole night talking about veganism, but let me tell you, and I'm not saying I ruined the atmosphere. Everybody else was cool and chilling. And the people that I was talking to at the end were really keen on the conversation. One of them was very religious. And he was talking about religion and trying to sort of use that. And I was trying to sort of make him see that as a religious person, he really proposes. Most religious people claim to want peace and all these things. And this other guy um, had talked about, yes, he knew about the diet and how important it was, except that this was Indian and Indian guy. And he's like, yes, we did everything, but we, we still consumed milk because you need to consume milk. Cause he was talking about some special diet that he did. And I said, no, you actually don't and stuff. So we had a great night and everything, but i just want to say, Amy, you know, it's so, I can't give you, I mean, it's impossible for me to tell what's going to happen that day. And there's something else I want to talk about. With regard to this advocacy and stuff, I find it so much easier to talk to complete strangers about this. When it comes to people I have to see on a daily basis or I have to, you know, work with or something like that, I am much more diplomatic because it's almost self-preservation um, because, you know, and it's almost a little bit selfish. I don't back down when stuff like that, but I'm not as likely to... Um, I literally lost contact with my brother who I care about very, very deeply because it got to the point where he didn't even want to talk to me anymore. And he literally cut me off. And it's actually quite worrying because I really do need to stay in contact with my brother. Uh, and so I had to reach out to him and just say, uh, can we just, you know, talk again and you and 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 he said you know gosh i knew, i should have known better than to bring it up he brought up something about the donkey in russia and i was like what's the difference between that and all the other animals and he just got upset and i mean i'm not saying that i was wrong and he was right i'm not there's speciesism but there comes a time where you know you can pick and choose but there's so many strangers out there that you can um go head on with and they might you know, and they will get into it with you because they don't have as much invested in the relationship either. And you can really get them thinking. And you don't be rude to people, but you know, you say really strong things. Whereas people that you have to work with, Milan Wallet recently wrote a blog post, and she does. She'll cover this again. She's going to cover it in the future. And also Barbara DeGrand. I want to thank Barbara for featuring me on her podcast last podcast episode sixteen, which is dating while vegan, because it's like this interpersonal relationships with people in your daily lives and how to deal with it, because it is really such a volatile issue. Because we are talking about violence and slaughter and torture and that's really what we're talking about man and people get very very uncomfortable and when you have to see these people every day or you work with these people or maybe you're depending on these people for help i mean that's why i understand people who rescue animals sometimes they just want to talk to people about helping rescue the animals they just need these people to stick around long enough because a lot of people, as we know, are morally confused, are, are, are mor you know, have moral uh, schizophrenia, as um, Gary Francione has, has put it, where they will go so far out of their way, give money out of their pocket to help a homeless dog and adopt the dog and, and, and raise money to help the dog get medical care and stuff like that, but they still consume the bodies of other animals. Now, it doesn't mean that they're consuming the bodies of animals is excusable, but if you're somebody who desperately has a whole huge amount of dogs to rehome, yes, you can talk 
about veganism and you can be very strong about it, but generally what you're going to be talking to people about is, can you please help me home these dogs? Can you please help me? Like, like for example, when I went over to this woman's house, I said to her, thank you so much for adopting Duffy. Now, I didn't say to her, look, you know, you really should be vegan and I really hope that you are and you better be raising these kids vegan and that they not, they're not going to have a future and la, la, la. And it's all true. Her kids aren't going to have a future and, and she should be vegan, but I was really concerned about getting Duffy a safe place to live. And she was my only hope. She's the only person who contacted me. So we're always in these positions where, you know, if the woman had asked me, well, do you want to have some lunch? I would have, you know, you never back down, but there, there are different levels of confrontation that you're going to get into depending on the situation. And it is confrontational and you might as well get used to it. It can be really subtle confrontation, but people get upset. I was at work the other day and I was asked, can you eat chocolate? And um, I have been in a um, combative mood, as we know from the elevator and the classroom experience. And I said, I eat chocolate, chocolate, not milk chocolate. <laughs> I could have said, well, I really love chocolate. I really do. And then they said, oh, have some chocolate. And I would say, oh, thank you so much, but I don't consume milk. I mean, there's so many more gracious ways of dealing with it um, without compromising on the morals and without coming across kowtowing to speciesism. But, you know, it depends on, on, on what's going on at the time. So in response to Amy, Amy was, um, I think it's a really good suggestion. She, I think a really good person, apart from, uh, another person, not only Gary Francione, um, who's also had he heaps of experience and tons of other people have he heaps of experience, but I also want to get Adam Kahanowitz back on. Adam featured me on his video, um, on his news show, The Vegan News, which is, um, if you go to vegan.fm, it's a really great website. I mean, this guy is literally obsessed with vegan education. He said that once on my podcast, and I love it. You know, this is the kind of guy, Adam, if he was obsessed with inventing a new wheel, you would have a new wheel. I mean, he is just unstoppable energy. He does so much vegan advocacy. If you go to vegan, um, if you go to um, Vegan Help on Twitter, that's his... Um, his twit bot that he created and he is constantly engaging with people and he's really cool with it he's like super approachable about it so I want to interview Adam again about specifically about the experiences that he's had and all different like levels of of trying to talk to people about veganism and we're talking like out of the blue like at social situations and stuff because whether we like it or not we're the bearers of the tough news. We're the bearers of the hard truth. And I recently had somebody say to me, you know, oh, it's, you know, you, you sticking by your, you're sticking by your um, convictions. And I said, yeah, but the downside is, you know, doesn't make me a lot of friends. And, um, and this is true. Now I personally, um, I'm a little older and so I'm not 20 anymore. So it's easier for me to kind of be solitary and solitary doesn't mean lonely. It just means like I've lived on top of people. Like I've had, I used to live like with five roommates and all this stuff all through your youth. You're living on top of people and, you know, you're living with your family and stuff. So I kind of like having my own place. So I don't miss it. But, you know, there are some people like I said in Barbara's um, podcast that are more social and they need that contact. So I'm not, I don't need it. So it's a little easier for me. Um, but there are times when like you might suddenly need people like because I don't have a car and stuff. I need people to help me. And if you don't have any friends... You know, you can sometimes be a little bit stuck. That's why I have my family. They'll always help me. But like I said, I, me and my brother, we stopped talking because of speciesism. And I have William. I love William, but I can't put all my burdens on William. He's only one guy and he's got his own life to lead. But he definitely helps me with my stall and every weekend. And I know if he had a car, he would just be there. So, you know, I can count on William. But, um, you know, there are there are times where you're you you sort of... In the situation, you have to think, well, do I want this? This conversation is getting really hostile and this person is getting to the point where this person is not responding well. Does my, would it be, is it more, is it better for me to continue this relationship with this person for many reasons? Like number one, is there a chance that later on down the line, we can revisit the conversation and have a productive conversation about veganism? You don't want to blow that opportunity. Or number two, is this person my boss and am I going to get fired or am I going to be in a situation where I'm in a hostile work environment? Um, there are so many people out there you could be talking to 
and who, there are so many people who are willing to to take this this conversation head on and as Gary said the people who are willing to really engage they're the people you can really engage with they're the people who are really thirsty to know this they actually want to argue about it but but you know there're also a lot of a lot of those people even though we know there are people who are super stubborn and there are people who are super closed down to it on the surface and they're just like no 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 you do get through to a lot of people and you know so you know, never back down. That's what I never do. But I understand that in certain situations, like the other day when the, when I was offered the chocolate and I said, I only eat chocolate, chocolate. There was a, like a little bit of a um, negative uh, vibe after that, that I had created with my comment because it almost sounded snooty. Like I don't eat your rotten nasty chocolate I only eat real chocolate and that's not what I meant um and like I say it's not really I mean we know we're right we are right but um we're dealing with speciesism that's so entrenched and we do have a responsibility to uh, make it as positive as possible now again if if it comes down to the wire like if my boss or my mother or anybody tried to get me to give an inch of of any kind of concession towards speciesism or animal use and the relationship I would let the relationship go I will never betray the animals by you know I will never back down on the truth but there's being you you know you have the choice like if you're pushed you have to stand by your guns um you can you can gracefully withdraw from the conversation without um it going there like you can say like if somebody says on and on and on you can literally you can say you know maybe we should talk about something else or something like that you don't have to turn around to them and say okay okay you're right yeah you know it really doesn't matter you know if we use animals or look you know if you continue to eat eggs just it's okay or you know whatever you don't have to do that you can just literally say why don't we change the subject if it's getting really hostile um never back down but also you can control the situation a little better i mean i'm diplomatic when it comes to um my interpersonal relationships even though sometimes i come across as really hard-headed and and stuff like that it's so easy it's so much easier and, and this is includes me to be super hard-headed and and all that you know anonymously or with complete strangers than it is with people that you share blood with or that you sh- have to see every day at your job i mean i can't imagine like even at my last job things got really bad in the end and i blame speciesism it's not that i'm wrong it's not that i did something wrong it's speciesism but they were all excited about the the horse racing this is before i left my job that i had at the bank and um and then they they have this big day where it's the alexandra horse race and um they said to me are you getting dressed up tomorrow because they all got dressed up because when people go to horse racing they wear all these big hats and the women wear these big dresses and it's a big fancy dress party for the people and i had been working there for almost 2 years i'd had many conversations with them about how i really was opposed to animal use and how it was just really so wrong and i actually at that point i said i can't remember what i said but i was just like i am not celebrating the torture and death of horses or something like that i just exploded and then i sent them all links to like stories about what happens to the horses <laughs> and you know i just sent them all this like email like i just emailed them all these like links to like um what goes on and after that one of the people kind of really didn't want to talk to me anymore and she kind of looked she was like oh she when i said that she was going to like oh well jeez i mean i was just asking or something like that so you know this happens it happens every now and then but if you're in a situation where you go to work and every single person in the room looks totally hostile to you it's almost like i'll give you an example the welfare email group that i was on that became an intolerable situation and i had to leave 
So I wouldn't want anybody to have to quit their job or to have to give up their income because especially if you have non-humans that you're taking care of. So you were always caught in these quandaries. We're always caught in these dilemmas. We are in the position of the people who hold the truth and we are always going to be the ones who have to deal with more than anybody else does. Ignorance is bliss, but I would rather have my eyes wide open and be a little uncomfortable than be swimming in the sea of ignorance. So it's just our lot. We have to do it. Those of you who are with me, and you know, some people are way more diplomatic and they manage to hold on to all kinds of friendships and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just so uncomfortable around people who are just flippantly talking about animal use, things like, oh, well, if I can eat the chickens, ha ha, if the chickens are for dinner, and I'm thinking, I don't want to spend any more time with you, man, and uh, you know what, that's just, I'm sorry, but, um, and that's not true, I will spend time with this person, and Hopefully we will continue to talk every now and every opportunity I get. But, um, you know, you do get, you know, if it wasn't for all my friends, my abolitionist friends, um, helping to keep me um, sort of healthy and strong, I don't know if I could be as strong as, for example, Gary Francione, who was basically out there pretty much all alone. It was him and his life partner uh, and maybe two or three people who supported them. I you know, not everybody is that strong. But luckily for us, modern day abolitionists, we don't have to be that strong. You just have to deal with these little negative moments. You have to deal with the sort of sadness of, of, of this flippancy about the torture and the Holocaust. Like people making jokes about the Holocaust or something. You have to deal with that. You have to deal with hostility and you have to deal with broken relationships maybe could get to that. Or you have to deal with maybe shutting your mouth if, if it just gets to the point where you're like, well, I'll, I'll let this conversation go for now and then hopefully we can revisit even though I want to keep the conversation going because I have to see this person every single day. I work with this person very closely and, you know, and you have to sort of like, okay, la, la, la. So, you know, these are the things that we have to deal with. But we don't have to be anywhere near as strong as some people used to have to be. And in fact, the abolitionists against slavery used to get literally tarred and feathered. And as we know, as vegans, we would hate to be feathered because, you know, we know that chickens and, and, and other birds um, died and, and were tortured for those feathers. Um, and they were tired of feathers or they were killed or they were threatened with death. You know, we're not going through any of that. All we're going through is a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of sadness and, you know, the truth, the knowledge, the burden of the truth that we that we all hold. But where there's so many abolitionists that you can talk to and so many people that will support you and stuff. So, um so many vegans who have been vegan for decades and have dealt with the worlds where they didn't even know what vegan was and they there was no like even any kind of vegan shoes available and things like that so we've got it pretty easy but as bearers of the truth and as uncompromising advocates for veganism it's it can be at times um, socially awkward and I think that that's a really important um, thing that we need to um, that teenagers are, are really good at talking about and maybe I'll get William and Sam back on here to talk about that um, just being in high school uh, just because you know we think it's bad when we're adults but you know imagine what it's like in school so there you go another ramble over and uh, and I hope that I didn't like uh, give the impression that I'm saying that you can sort of, you know, cut people some slack to, to further your own, you know, personal advancement. I'm just saying, you know, obviously we have to function in the society if we want to make a difference. We have to be able to be around people. We have to be able to socialize with them. We have to be able to get the message across in all different ways. And um, if you have opportunity with somebody that you work with and you know you're going to work with them for a whole year, Whereas somebody that you meet online, maybe that's the only time you're going to get to talk to them. Um, it's, it's a different relationship and you can do it a little differently. And it doesn't always go well either way, but you can try to make the best decision and learn from your mistakes. And the only way to learn is to do it over and 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 over again. And you are going to take some losses and there is going to be some, some frustrating encounters. Um, but that's the only way to learn is to keep doing it. We can't give up. And... Um, if you ever feel really down, I suggest doing a podcast and talking about it. It really helps. Um, or come on my podcast. 
come on my podcast. I always, you know, I haven't said that for a while, but look, I love having people on my podcast. Come on my podcast and talk about it. We all need to learn from each other. Amy wrote to me and was like, I'd love to hear other people's experiences because, you know, she's says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I really want to know like how to get the conversation going and every situation's different. Um, I do strongly recommend wearing that we wear vegan clothes, you know, political statements, you know, um, I, I just think it'd be a great idea. I think that it's an awesome way to get people to um, to uh, think about it. They look at it and they say, wow, you know, and they know it's a statement. It's definitely a statement. Just like wearing, you know, I'm gay or I'm a lesbian or something is a statement. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm out and I'm proud, you know. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. Thanks for listening and I'll be back hopefully with a guest again soon. And I hope I covered everything that I needed to cover. All right, I'll be back. Bye.